0: the long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Well, can I make a confession? I am a pastor by day. That means I am what's known as a Christian. And I'm embarrassed by things that Christians do. I'm utterly embarrassed. Some of the some of the worst, weakest, most uninspiring things out there are done by Christians. The work ethic of Christians really, really bothers me. If I have the opportunity to... To hire a plumber, and he gives me his card, and he's got a fish on his card. I'm inclined to not hire him because I feel like he's trying to lead with his religion instead of leading with his ability to sweat a fitting or some such thing. I just, I, I I just want a minute. I'm recovering bad attitude, guy, when it comes to Christians and art, especially. Oh my goodness! Don't even get me started. Someone said, hey, have you seen the new chosen thing? I said, the chosen, what was the chosen? They said, oh, this new thing on Jesus. I was like, talk to the hand, zero interest, bye-bye, no interest. Well, what do you know? I had enough people telling me that. I said, "Ah, I I may as well watch it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my freaking goodness. It was amazing. And when I saw it, I just saw a lot of work that had to go into it. I saw a lot of creativity that had to go into it. I saw somebody who did an aggressive move. And who is that somebody? That somebody is Dallas Jenkins. He was an up and coming film director with a number of successful projects until his movie, The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, tanked at the Hollywood box office. In just about two hours, Jenkins had 10 years worth of projects slated with Hollywood studios and producers, they all backed out on him. It was a devastating blow, but he didn't stay down on the mat. Today, he's the director and producer and the writer for The Chosen, the first ever multi-season TV show about the life of Jesus that was funded by a Kickstarter campaign. You can't do a Kickstarter campaign to, to do a project. Yes, he did. And yes, it happened. It's been viewed millions of times in 10 languages around the world. It's the largest crowdfunded media project in history, and it's freaking awesome. Gosh, well, I'm actually not here to talk about The Chosen a lot today, though we're going to do that. I'm here to talk with this guy who makes an aggressive move. Who in the world, who in the world goes out and does another project on Jesus when all the others have been so lacking, when they've been so uninspiring to God-awful, is depiction of Jesus, the first one I'd actually give my life to. So all that to be said, welcome, Dallas Jenkins, to The Aggressive Life.
1: Wow, that is quite an intro. Thank you for, for, for that. I, I uh, This is why I love you as a pastor. I've heard in just a couple minutes you say that you don't really like most Christians. You said, oh, my freaking gosh, and you talked about my project tanking at the box office. That's a that's an awesome intro. <laughs> and uh, you certainly you certainly doesn't don't seem like someone who minces his words, which is why uh you must be a great pastor. So thank you for having me on. It means a lot.
0: Well, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm a great pastor, but I'm a uh, I'm a person who leads a podcast called The Aggressive Life. This is not the pussyfooting life. It's not the hey, let's talk niceties life. This is not the hey, let's have all the correct Christian things to say life. It's The Aggressive Life. It's about Grabbing your life by the throat. It's about doing something. It's about calling things the way they are. And if you're wrong after you said it, okay, then apologize. Let's start saying some things. I want you to start saying some things. Take us back to the beginning of this project. How did it start? Why would you begin to do something that seemingly has been done time and time and time again? What did you think you had to uniquely offer to this contract, to this kind of uh, story?
1: Well, that, in many ways, I think there's a two-part answer to that, because one of them is the, the show itself. What is unique about the show itself? And then the other is, what would what would cause me to do something like this? Uh, because I think they're both two slightly different things. So the show itself, I think the, the answer is in the question. You said what it, when there's been so many that weren't great or were bad or were boring or whatever— Uh, why would you do another one? And I think that's exactly the reason why I wanted to do one was because I've seen all the Jesus movies and miniseries and there's been a few that I enjoyed more than others. Um, But for the most part, I always uh, felt like the Jesus that I saw in these movies and miniseries did not match the Jesus that I either read about or thought I knew or a Jesus that I would want to follow. Uh, Usually emasculated, usually uh, emotionally distant, usually only quoted King James versions of the Bible. I, I, I just didn't seem like a, a real human being. And especially the followers of Jesus didn't seem like human beings. I remember someone once said to me a couple of years ago after they saw the first episodes of The Chosen, they said, typically, there's only three disciples in a Jesus project. There's Peter, because he's pretty famous. There's Judas, because he's the betrayer. And then there's the 10 other disciples. They're all one. They all talk the same. They look the same. They act the same. They have no personalities that are distinct. So those are all the things that drove me to want to do a multi-season show, because when you have a multi-season show, you can really dig into the stories, dig into the people of the Gospels in a way that you can't when you're rushing from Bible verse to Bible verse, miracle to miracle in an hour and a half or two hours. So that was what really compelled me to do it was because I hadn't seen something before that I think spoke to me. And I figured if, if I hadn't, then a lot of others hadn't as well.
0: Well, you, you pushed a thing after a thing that you, you didn't have to do, that was not the safe play. And in my personal opinion, it was that thing after thing that you pushed on aggressively that really gave this thing the spice. Let's talk about a few. Uh, one of them you, you mentioned, the disciples are always bland people that aren't interesting. And you're right, they all bleed into one. Well, not on this one. You've got Matthew, who's on the spectrum.
1: Correct.
0: And I thought that was amazing. That was a, that was a pretty strong move. Now, now some of the stuff, uh, Dallas and I have talked before this conversation. I mean, some of the stuff is like he, he, he's reading into the story. You're writing into the story. There's nothing in there that couldn't have happened. There's nothing in there that's, that's against the very proven historical record of Jesus but you're 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 bringing flavor to it, and and you didn't have to make Matthew, be on the spectrum, but you did. Why? That's a great question, and I
1: think that's Matthew is probably the the person in the in the show that most exemplifies our approach. So when we sat down a couple of years ago to plot out season one and to choose who our main characters were going to be, because any show you you need to have a you know four to six or so main characters, and so when we're going through the gospels and we're we're picking. Who in the Gospels has the most interesting story to explore? And Matthew was one of the first people we chose because tax collectors were hated at that time for being betrayers to their people by working for the Romans, disrespected by the Romans for being Jewish. And then yet Jesus called Matthew to follow him and be part of his team. We thought that was a really interesting to explore. And we also wanted to figure out why would it be that all Jesus had to do was walk past his booth, say, follow me, and Matthew immediately followed him. So that's all we know from Scripture. We don't know his backstory. So working our way backwards, we thought, okay, so let's, what are the characteristics of Matthew that we can explore, and how can, how, how can we build this person uh, based on what we know in Scripture? And as we started to talk about it, we said, well, he's a numbers guy because he's a tax collector, an accountant type. He's a facts guy. His first chapter of his book is nothing but a genealogy and he chose a profession that made him a social outcast. Well, I have a daughter who's autistic. I have done a lot of work in the special needs community, so I know a lot about autism, a lot about Asperger's, and I thought, boy, these are characteristics of people with Asperger's. Wouldn't it be really fascinating if we created a, you know, I don't want to say the word, we created the character, because of course, Matthew is uh, a real person, but what if we built this kind of context about him? And I thought it would accomplish several things. Number one, it was, it's very unique. It's interesting. Uh, it's human. So that alone makes you, as the viewer, instantly think of him as a human being as opposed to a presentation of someone we've read in a book that we revere. And I think that's one of the things that has been missing in previous Jesus projects is it's presented. It's a reenactment of scripture verses. And scripture verses are oftentimes thought of not as uh, historical captures of something that really happened. I know that, I know that's true, but we sometimes just think of it as scripture. And I'm using air quotes here. And uh, so we exalt it in a good way. That's great. We should exalt scripture.
0: But were you concerned that people were going to go, hey, man? You 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 can't you can't do that. You you can't make Matthew on the spectrum. Were you were you concerned about the potential blowback?
1: I would have to say, in short, no. I I really wasn't worried about the blowback, although I knew some of it would come, just because I'm at a place in my life, especially after the failure uh, financially of my and in, in my career of my last movie, which we can talk about in a second. But that led me to adopt a genuine perspective, which is that I just don't really care about blowback if if i've already made the decision you know i mean i i i went into this show with a lot of prayer i knew there would be lots of blowback for lots of things about the show the fact that we're doing we're portraying scenes that aren't in scripture i knew that would get blowback so we've heard from a few people so
0: you have jesus actually turning water into wine not welsh's <laughs> grape juice not this jelly substance that didn't have any alcohol that i've heard preachers who are afraid of the word beer talk about but he literally turns it into what the bible says wine and people like it and he actually right. keeps the party going wait a minute you mean jesus first miracle is to ha- allow party to go longer yeah right. yeah right.
1: so i mean you're bringing up that's one of you know a dozen things that we hear about regularly from people who don't love or are concerned about the show and um i just don't i just don't really care so the biggest concern that we hear about, and again, it's all, it's all a vocal minority, the vast overwhelming majority of people who've seen the show have not only been positive about it, they've, been, they've expressed that their life has changed because of it, which is even more reason why I don't care about the blowback. Uh, but I don't judge the show or myself based on the positive or negative feedback so specifically about Matthew, um, I, I wasn't concerned because I thought it was such a, a, a unique opportunity to do something that hadn't been done in a Bible show before. And uh, I think anyone who's, you know, who doesn't like it, uh, one of the things that I heard from someone the other day was uh, that they were pointing out about Matthew, and they said, um, Jesus wouldn't call someone who had a mental deficiency like that. And uh, that was literally their words. Wow. And, and I thought... Your your comment is infinitely more offensive right. than my decision to to show Jesus calling someone who's on the spectrum. Think of all the people you're offending with your comment right now. Right, uh, but so but yes. not to mention, uh, I think everyone who Jesus called uh, had some sort of mental deficiency. I have uh, a mental I, I, deficiency. I, I have a mental deficiency. <laughs> I, I so have,
0: I have emotional deficiency. I have spiritual right. deficiency. I have physical. Exactly. I'm I'm just downright deficient.
1: Exactly. So that, that perspective, uh, the notion that Jesus might call someone who is on the autism spectrum is no more surprising than that he called someone like Simon Peter, that he called someone like Judas. Um, all of these people were uh, uninspiring choices by the world standards. So that's the hallmark of the whole show. Um you know, most of our characters or uh, the people that we're portraying, we, we we dig into, we press into the notion that they were deficient, and I think that's what makes the show human and what makes you and I and those of uh, you know those other people who've loved the show so much identify with the people in the gospels.
0: I'm I'm a real firm believer that the the most important work of God is the work God is doing in you, that we oftentimes get really hung up on what the mission is before us or what the purpose is and the challenge. And and really God puts those things before us because he's trying trying to form us. And I'm hearing that with your background. You probably thought Hometown Legend, which was your first film at age 25 was really what the whole point was, but it was probably something God was doing in you. Then it was probably Gavin Stone, which we thought was the point. And that, that was – did not go well and that, that formed you there and then brings you to the chosen. I just, I just wonder if you could just put on your your teacher hat with us a little bit as you go through your your successes and failures and how they've made you who you are. Do you see any, any pattern there that might be happening with more of us that we need to be aware of?
1: Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so the resurrection of Gavin Stone was, to me, when I was making it, I finally got this opportunity to quote unquote make it in Hollywood. Um, I had been doing movies for ten to fifteen years and had had various success uh, levels of success. And um, I'm the son of Jerry Jenkins, who wrote the Left Behind books, which were monstrously successful. So I always had this standard to kind of live up to, not in a bad way, but I just I, I thought when God blesses something, then it's it's successful, and that's that's the end game. That's the goal. And uh, and so with The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, what was so interesting about it was I firmly believed and still believe that when I was making that movie and when even that movie was coming out, I was in God's will. I knew that God was blessing the process. I knew there were so many things that happened that were clearly... Uh, God-driven, uh, the, my partnership in that project with some of the biggest producers in Hollywood who loved the project, and, and I was allowed to... I mean, I'm still proud of the movie. The movie has a strong message. The movie was funny. The movie worked well. I was happy with it. It tested better than any movie that these Hollywood producers had ever done, and it was a faith-based strong, had a strong message and all that. So when it finally uh, came out and opened on in January of 2017 and was a complete bomb at the box office... I, my wife and I, when we were home alone, crying and confused, that we were so, for those hours in which I literally saw my career, I, I really saw myself go from a director with a bright future to a director with no future in the span of just a couple hours. The confusing part about it was, yeah, but God was in this, So, so why would the failure... God's not the author of failure. He's not the author of chaos. Uh, surely this, this is something must be at work here. And here's what happened that was really interesting. In that moment, God pressed on my wife's heart very powerfully two, two things, uh, almost as clearly as, as though his voice was audible, which we didn't hear an audible voice, but it was, it was as if it was that clear. One was the phrase, I do impossible math. And the second was the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And so we went to the scriptures and we looked up the feeding of the 5,000. We'd heard the story, you know, hundreds of times. But we were looking for maybe why God would be pointing us in that direction. But we didn't really know what God was trying to say. So very long story short, because I don't want to take up all, the, all your time with just this story. But in that moment, we didn't know exactly what God was trying to tell us, but, but we did feel like God was present. That night at four o'clock in the morning, I'm doing what I do regularly and what I'm sure you've done as a leader, which is when something doesn't go well, you immediately analyze, you you do a postmortem. What did did I do wrong? What did others do wrong? How can we make sure that this doesn't happen again? So I had a 15-page memo that I was writing, and at four o'clock in the morning, a, a, a Facebook message pops up on my computer from someone who I haven't even met, just a Facebook friend who I've talked to maybe once a year over the last few years. And it didn't say hi, it didn't say hello, didn't say heard about your movie. All it said was, remember, your job is not to feed the 5,000. It's only to provide the loaves and fish. And I honestly for a second wondered if my computer had been recording my conversations with my wife because I'm like, how in the world would he know to say that? So my first question to him immediately, I just responded by saying, what are you doing up at four in the morning? And he said, well, I'm in Romania, I'm visiting my brother, I'm on a different time zone. Second thing, so then I said, can I ask you why you said that to me? And he said, oh, that, that wasn't me. God wanted me to share that with you. And in that moment, my life changed. I can define who I was before that moment and who I've been since that moment. Because not only did everything immediately become clear as to what God was doing, and uh, but but for me as someone who had been in my life responsible for results, someone who, who prided myself on making good plans and then f- executing them, I really did realize for the first time probably that I was genuinely okay with not making another movie. I was genuinely okay with just making sure that whatever I did was in God's, uh, was in God's plan and that uh, my job was solely to make sure that whatever loaves and fish I provided that they were as good and healthy as they could be so that if God did choose to multiply them, that they would be good and healthy for for multiple people. And that truth um, was life-altering for me. And so it's why I was open-minded to the notion of crowdfunding a multi-season Jesus show, which was a ridiculous idea. It's why I was open to doing a short film for my church's Christmas Eve service based on the birth of Christ from the perspective of the shepherds um, which was just a very small loaf and a very small fish. After I'd just done this big movie with Hollywood producers, now I'm doing a short film on my friend's farm in Illinois uh, for my church's Christmas Eve service. It felt like a massive step down. But I genuinely, and I mean this with all of my heart, I was genuinely okay with it because I knew that it was what was what God was putting in front of me for that day. And that's, that's all I was responsible for. So the fact that that led to that little short film on my friend's farm led to the number one highest crowdfunded media project of all time, $10 million from 19,000 people. And now this first season has done what it's done and it's in every country in the world and yada, yada, all of that stuff hasn't changed the truth of the fact that that's not my responsibility and it's not my job. So that's a very long answer to your question and I apologize
0: for it. You're, but very, that's, you're very good at very long answers. You know, oh, you, you got to hand it to <laughs> yourself. Better, I'm better at that than short answers, <laughs> I, I, I admit. Yeah. Well, so now that the, Chosen has taken off. I would not say exploded. It will explode. It needs to explode. I still talk to too many people who have a warmness towards faith and spirituality who, A, haven't even heard of The Chosen or haven't watched it, which is fine. I'm just saying it's building momentum. Right. It's going to explode. I don't think it has exploded yet. But, boy, the signs are just really fantastic. How do you feel right now? How's, how's it feel to be on a fast-moving train? How's it feel to have uh, done something that is working? How, how's it feel to have taken a risk and raised money and it's put to good work? How's it feel to be on the other side of failure?
1: It doesn't feel any different, honestly, than it did the day after I got that note on Facebook. I, and I'm, 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 I promise you, I'm telling you the truth about that because um a oh come on. Success, it's gotta feel well, no, good I'm,
0: you're saying you don't feel good
1: I feel good that i'm in that that God is blessing this project, but i don't but i d I don't feel any different than i than I would if if he hadn't um because I believe that the show is exactly what I was supposed to do and I've still got seven seasons to do (laughs) Um, when I sit in front of the computer and the page is blank and I've got to be I'm working on season two which we just finished the first four episodes writing but when my co-writers and I are sitting in front of the computer and and the page is blank the page doesn't care that the show has had over 30 million views and that people you know are telling us every day that their lives are changing and they're reading the bible more than ever and and Pastor Brian is reaching out to me and saying that that he just loved the show. I mean, my, you know, the phone call from you about the show was it was extremely moving, and, and and I'm I'm happy with it, and, and I admire you. And so when you when you say those kind things about the show, that feels good. But that doesn't that doesn't make the writing any easier. It doesn't make the the weight of what I'm doing any lighter. So uh, from that point, yeah. I'm just trying to make sure that. When I hear praise about the show, that it doesn't change anything. And when I hear criticism about the show, it doesn't change anything. I'll say this real quick. You know, just a couple months ago, the show had its first mini explosion when COVID hit. And when we announced that the show was completely free and completely hassle-free and that everyone around the world could access all eight episodes with no delays, no fees, no nothing. And at that moment, we started generating four to five times as much income as we had before. So that's that whole impossible math thing that when God laid that on my wife's heart, um, and I remember when we shattered the all-time crowdfunding record, she started crying and saying, God is pressing it on my heart again that this is what he meant by I do impossible math. Well, this impossible math has continued. You know, the fact that the more free and easy to access the show we make it, the more money is generated by the pay it forward program. That's not me. I didn't make that decision. That doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. Now, yes, it's an aggressive move, like you say, so perhaps it's an endorsement of your life philosophy, but it certainly doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So how could I feel all that much pride about what's been happening when a lot of it wasn't my intention?
0: yeah, well, you just put your you put your nuts on the line again and again, man the, how you financed it, just doing another Jesus show, We've talked about the kind of characters you're you're putting into uh the inner core of, of who Jesus is um and you're, you're still going forward. You're trying to pay it forward and have free series that are happening in the future. And I'm understanding that there's, there, there's times when you've been on set and needing finances and they come just in time. Have, have you been, you've been dealing with financial stress this whole time?
1: Yeah, my wife calls it the manna program. Um, when God gave manna to the Israelites, He never gave them more than than they needed for that day. In fact, He even said, "If you try to store it up for the future, I'm going to make it rot." He wanted them each day to have their hands outstretched, and uh, that's what's been funny about this project is people say, "Oh, wow, look, all these millions coming in. Uh, that's so great." I'm like, "Yeah, but it's <laughs> we, we've also got to spend millions. I mean, this show is 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 expensive." So. Yeah, we've had. We, I remember last summer. Um, we once we kind of had collected all of the investment from all these people. We realized we were about a million dollars short of what we needed because uh, some people their credit cards hadn't cleared, or they they promised to do the investment but they didn't actually go through. So we were a million dollars short uh, of what we needed, and we were about four weeks out from shooting. And so we quickly did another investment round, and the the rules for the investment round that we did from the SEC were that we could only raise one point zero seven million dollars. And that exact amount came in in two weeks um, from, from, from new investors, and uh, it turned out to be the exact amount that we needed, and we couldn't do any more. I mean, it's been like that. And I remember there's also, just even fina- uh, leaving aside the finances, uh, four days before we were scheduled to shoot the scene of the miracle of the fish. So spoiler alert, episode four, there's a very popular scene from season one where Jesus calls Peter and does the miracle of the, of the catch of fish. And four days before we were gonna shoot that, we didn't have a boat, we didn't have a lake, and we didn't have fish. Um, The (laughs) boat was still being built, the lake had flooded uh, in Texas, (laughs) the the rains had caused the the shore to be flooded, and uh, all the fish options that we had pursued had completely fallen through. And so I was genuinely in this place of, you know what, not my job to feed the 5,000, it's only my job to provide the loaves and fish. Ironically enough, I didn't even have fish to provide at this moment. (laughs) But uh, when we filmed that scene, Um, The boat came around that morning and the paint was still drying. The lake had gotten to the exact perfect uh, depth that it was supposed to, so we had a shore again. And our visual effects guys said, if you put in in this net a green uh, tarp uh, filled with water balloons, uh, green water balloons that can provide the weight that we need to make it look like these guys are really struggling to get these fish into the boat, we believe we can turn that into fish. Later in in the computer, and uh, I thought it was a ridiculous notion. They weren't even hundred percent sure it would work. But I thought, hey, loaves and fishes, man, not my job to worry about it. And uh, it turned out to be what I believe is the wow. best scene in the whole season.
0: That's astounding. So, yeah,
1: yeah. And so God, that, that's what God's been doing the whole the whole uh, the whole time. He's never let us get comfortable, and I'm I'm okay with that.
0: He never lets us get comfortable, boys and girls. Listen to that one. I mean, here's again. He never lets us get comfortable the moment that we're comfortable is the moment we stop pushing the moment we stop pushing is the moment we're not aggressive and the moment we're not aggressive is the moment that we're not growing that's good he never and i don't like that about god i wish that he would give more margin to me and i know you do too i wish he would give more backup plans and resources right. involved but that's exactly what i've i've experienced as well Um,
1: I think if you are comfortable, it's probably not God who's doing that to you. I mean, I think you you might want to press in a little bit more and say, hey, I'm getting a little comfortable here. Things seem to be pretty easy. Does that mean you don't trust me to handle a trial? Does that mean you don't trust me to Because sometimes God, I think the moment God lets us be comfortable for too long, it's it's not a great sign. Um, That doesn't mean he doesn't give us blessings, but I think... Uh, you know, we've got a limited time here on this earth, and uh, I think, like you said, uh, growth comes from pushing. And, uh, and 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 if God's not fostering that in us, it might mean that He's not trusting us uh, with that trial. And I'm, I, I don't ever want to be in that place.
0: All right. Now we've come to the time where we're having the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? The rules are I'm going to give you something to say, and you got a lightning fast, like quick, quick, bam, bam, say it. Like two sentences or less, they're about. Are you up for the challenge, Dallas Jenkins? Uh,
1: two sentences or less, man. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll do my best.
0: It's a lightning round. It's a lightning round.
1: You're pushing me. You're not letting me get comfortable with this. So That's, I'll, exactly I'll, uh, right. I'll That's exactly it. right. I'll embrace
0: it. All right. So, your first one. Favorite character in The Chosen, and you can't say Jesus? Oh, great question.
1: Um, I'm going to say Matthew, uh, just because I've really loved exploring. I've loved inserting kind of this notion of this, the spectrum into a Bible show. There's something that I really, that really gets me excited about it. And the actor, Paras Patel, is just phenomenal. I think his portrayal of of uh, Matthew is, is just great. I think my second favorite, who's not one of the main characters, would probably be uh, John the Baptist. Uh, we, we don't see him a ton in season one, but when we did see him, I thought it was really cool. I love that scene between him and Nicodemus in prison.
0: Well, you, you had a really good mix of actors who were newer on the scene and I assume were a lot cheaper and others that were really seasoned and just brought a lot to it, like Nicodemus. I thought Nicodemus yeah. was just really, really strong, big name actor. He's off the charts. Eric Avari, that actor has
1: been around for decades. He's brilliant. And, uh, he was my first choice for Nicodemus. I didn't know actually at the time that he'd retired from the business, but he loved the script so much. Um, and he's, he's not even a believer, but he loved the script so much that, uh, he, he he agreed to do the show. So it was brilliant.
0: Favorite episode or storyline of The Chosen.
1: Episode seven is my favorite. Episode four is my second favorite. So, episode seven—the last ten minutes of episode seven, which include um, Jesus and Nicodemus, the, the meeting, the famous John chapter three meeting, and then the calling of Matthew—is right after that. And I've told people I don't think I can I can do better than those last ten minutes of episode seven. Um, so, I'm I'm going to spend the rest of my time doing this show, trying to to match what I believe is is the last ten minutes of episode seven. The music, the acting. Um, all of it. I just, I, I, I love it. So if you haven't seen the show yet, a lot of it, I think you'll see is just a big setup, um, a, a fun, exciting setup towards uh, episode seven.
0: I, I, I have two words for you. Lightning round. You're not Sorry. hearing it. Lightning, Sorry. Ra- <laughs> lightning round. Sorry. Uh, all
1: right, I'm, all I right. promise from now right. on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice lightning round. I apologize. Right,
0: Pick one director, producer, or writer. Director. Uh, see, now I'm going to, now I'm going to, why? Why did you choose director? Because you're doing all three of them. Why did you choose director?
1: It's, it covers kind of, uh, kind of everything. The director, the best description of a director I've, I've heard is, is the director is the immune system for the film. It protects the film from any one department getting their own way. So I, I just love that, that notion and, and working with all the actors is m- probably my favorite thing.
0: Biggest aggressive move in your personal life?
1: Wow, oh, boy, these are great questions. Um, being a better husband, working to be a better husband, I think that's where that requires the most aggression because it requires the most sacrifice. And that's, that's, that's the most difficult thing. So every day that I choose to be a better husband is a day that I'm being more aggressive.
0: Favorite TV show that you haven't made.
1: Friday Night Lights and Breaking Bad are back and forth. So Friday Night Lights probably influenced The Chosen more than any other show, but Breaking Bad's my favorite show of all time, probably.
0: Dude, Friday Night Lights is unfreaking believable.
1: Oh yeah. No, when people say what 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 most what show influenced The Chosen the most, I would say Friday Night Lights.
0: It's interesting that like both of those shows have a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got we've got Friday Night Lights that I barely make it through an episode without having moist eyes because you just yep. see them wrestling with things. You've got characters in there. Who are wrestling with faith or playing around faith? Every once so it, it just it just strikes really deeply, and then Breaking Bad as well, because the Bible says that God actually gives us over to certain yep. sins. If you persist Absolutely. in a sin, He gives you gives us over. And Breaking Bad is all about Walter White being given over yep. to a sin and a worldview and lifestyle, and he feels less pain about it, less conviction. Before you know it, he's lost everything, and unfortunately, a lot of us are on that same path. Yep. All right, Dallas. Anything else you want to talk about or you want to say that we haven't talked about or you haven't said so far? It's all about you, brother. What do you want?
1: No, I'm on your home turf, man. So uh, uh, I, I'm happy to cooperate. i probably said too much. I didn't, I didn't even cooperate with the lightning round like you wanted me to. <laughs> I gave My answers were too long. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll beg out. I mean, I do, I think ultimately I want people to, I'm, I'm actually wearing a sweatshirt right now that's a line from uh, episode seven when Jesus is calling Matthew. And Simon is frustrated and confused. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you calling this guy? Don't you know who he is? Don't you know what he's done? And Jesus says, yes. And, and Jesus says, you know, you thought it was weird when I called you. And Simon says, well, I'm not a tax collector. This is different. And Jesus turns to him and just says, get used to different. Yes. And that phrase right there is, I think, the hallmark of the show uh, from, from the, the way we crowdfunded it to the fact that it's on its own app. It's first ever show that's had its own app that you can connect directly to your streaming devices. And uh, it's also the content of the show is different. And so the show is different and it's different on purpose, but yet it's still rooted in the fundamental truth that don't change. And that is that uh, Jesus is the son of God and the creator of the universe. And uh, that, that, that this show does not at all um, for one moment uh, detract from that. In fact, if anything, it, it, it's designed to support it.
0: One of the things I'm not looking forward to, I'm actually bummed to hear you say it. You said seven seasons. Is that what you said?
1: Seven or eight seasons, yeah, I think that that's our idea, is that the se- season seven is going to be devoted solely to the crucifixion and then season eight to what happens so, after. So,
0: you know, yeah, season seven. So, spoiler alert, Jesus dies. I don't know if you've ever, right. ever heard of that. He, he, I'm sorry, I just ruined it for you. Spoiler yeah, exactly. alert, Jesus dies. And I got to tell you, man, I'm already forecasting forward. That is going to wreck me. Yeah, I've seen many, many depictions of the crucifixion, and when I see it, um, kind of going, well, is that really what we know from history? What happened with the crucifixion? Is that really, you know, cause I've been to Israel, uh, I don't know, a dozen times and been to sites and I'm, I'm a real student of the whole crucifixion, and all this stuff. And so I'm always watching it with, from the standpoint of how they depicted? Which, which mode are they showing of putting the, putting the cross into the ground? And are they, are they putting the nail through his wrist where it would have been or through his hands? And I'm always kind of geeking out in that stuff because I haven't really bonded to the Jesus in the show, but my gosh, the Jesus in your show, when that guy goes down, I'm I, I'm done. I'm I'm just wrecked even thinking about it because I'm bonded to him. That that's how great of a job that actor is doing, and how great you're doing with the writing.
1: Yeah, and that's the key is that's the key to the show is is we're trying to earn these moments so that they're as emotionally connective as they should be. I mean, the death of Christ should be should wreck us. And and normally when you watch a Jesus Project, you haven't gotten to know him very well. You haven't gotten to know his followers very well. And uh, so yeah, we're already hearing from people like yourself who are saying. When I think of the future seasons, it's already starting to wreck me because I'm getting to know these people so well. And that's the beauty of a show. And that's what we're trying to do is make sure that you connect with these people emotionally so that the spiritual impact is that much greater.
0: And, you know, for those of us who are with the podcast who, you know, know of the message of Jesus, know of the crucifixion, but haven't connected spiritual dots, let me do it for you right now. So the idea of Christianity and Jesus is that God sees that we have a problem. He sees that we've got a sin problem and he decides to deal with it. In fact, he deals with it in the most aggressive way possible. He sends his son who lives the perfect life and then he dies on our behalf. And we in our enlightened ways say, well, why would God choose to do that? He I don't know why God chose to do that, but all I know is all ancient peoples understand that metaphor and don't get bummed out about it with their enlightened ways that we think today. It was the way they did it in the ancient world. And God chose to do it that way in the ancient world. And he chose to do it in a hurtful way to himself and his son. And it was aggressive because he cares about you and he wants to be in relationship with you. That's the aggressive truth, friends. Um, You can receive him at any time. So I'm not going to make this a church service. I just want to make sure people understand where that is. Very important. So Dallas, just last word. Any way that people can connect with you, follow up with you, give money to future seasons, just just give us an advertisement how we can um, how we can stay in touch.
1: Well, we're on you know social media, obviously, so our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, Instagram page, we're easy to find, and uh, you know sharing and, and our views, you know our videos. We've got tons and tons of videos that uh, talk about the behind the scenes of this of this project and the history of it. And so, if you love films, or if you love God doing amazing things. We've been we've been tracking it the whole time and and showing how God's been uh, impacting this project. But if you, the the, be, the best way to support the show, if you have the means, if you don't, just enjoy the free show. But when you get the app, you go to the App Store, Google Play, or whatever you download the shows, and it's easy to find. And like I said earlier, it connects directly to your streaming device, so it's unprecedented technology. You can literally watch it on your Firestick, Roku, whatever, uh, directly from your phone with no subscription, no delay, no nothing. Uh, you don't have to pay anything; it's all free. If you love it, and if you want us to be able to continue to give it for free in all 180 countries around the world, which we're currently doing, and continue to translate it into more languages, and also continue to do future episodes and seasons, then we offer this Pay It Forward option. So you can pay it forward in the app, or you can go to thechosen.tv/pay it forward. Uh, which I'm not going to try to get people to remember. You can put it in the show notes if you want, but paying it forward is how we're able to do future episodes and seasons. And the more you're able to do that, the quicker we're able to do future seasons. And of course, the more we can, we can do with bigger production values. Uh, We really do want this show. We think it's the greatest story ever told. So why doesn't it deserve the same kind of um, uh, the means, the same means and the same opportunity as other, uh, other shows that we've talked about. So um, but otherwise, I just I do, I just do want people to just enjoy the show.
0: Dallas, it's been great having you with us today. We got into a lot of stuff. It was one of the longer uh, recordings we've ever had. And I'm going to have a hard time thinking about what to trim, if anything to trim, because this was strong, man. Thanks for, thanks for your faithfulness. Thanks for your aggressiveness. Thank you for tenderness. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thanks for your openness. Everyone in the Aggressive Life family, thanks you very much for it.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on brother. It means a lot. It's been great to get to know you just over these past couple weeks and I hope, hope, hope hope we get a chance to to do more together.
0: That's what I hope for. And I hope you all hope the same. That's the end of this episode of the aggressive life. Thanks man. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com, get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band Judges for the music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.